0: No. Yes. Can, Can I do, do it again? Work? Carol Askin. Ah, body, yada, yada. Okay, i done. Hello,
1: world. I'm Sherilyn. I'm Evelyn. And I'm Hannah.
0: This is Tipsy Broad History, and let's talk about some badass bitches in history. Tipsy broad history. Said, tipsy broad history. Tipsy broad history. Tipsy broad, tipsy broad history. We tipsy. Do you want
2: Welcome! I don't even know, it feels weird. It is I like weird. it. It feels
1: weird. I feel like there's a new energy, Yeah. You know? But We're it's very still excited. still hot as fuck in this room. Yes. That has not changed.
2: <laughs> uh, what why? why! I did it really aggressively. <laughs> <that>.
0: <laughs> so if you re- you probably don't remember, but that's totally fine. We have to turn the AC off. We're recording in Hannah's house because the AC is so loud. So if we don't turn it off, there's a lot of buzzing, which at this point, I'm just like, fuck it,
2: I hear that buzzing. But <laughs> I guess we want sound quality to be good. But sweating my tits off my literal tits but it's cold (laughs) in okay first off I ignored that she just grabbed both her boobs but it's cold in like the house usually so, yeah. I have the heater on.
0: It's just when it comes off, all of our body heat because yeah. we're so, we're so hot.
2: Okay. And that, uh, yeah. That and Trust the alcohol, me. yeah. <laughs> well, she
0: brought it to herself. I was going to say we are all fine, but you know. All right. Oh, what well, yeah. are you doing, Hannah?
2: Um, I have not tried our drink today.
1: Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Sherilyn and I made our drinks. We
0: did. We have. We're going to post a video later of us making our drinks. There's no rhyme or reason to it. So, if you watch Hannah's happy hour
1: video videos, they're so organized. They're an exact percentage. <laughs> Evelyn and I are like, okay. "This looks fine. Yeah, let's pour this much in here. It's um, awesome." Okay. Mm. okay, so we're gonna get this video of Hannah trying. Evelyn and I's lovely
0: Well, first,
2: <laughs> um, Hannah, tell us what drink this is. Yeah. yeah. So this is a cherry vodka sour, and the reason for that is apparently <laughs> Michigan, which our baddie is from uh, yeah. is really known for tart cherries. Really? That's why we have a tart cherry vodka sour. Oh, let me get right, this a video.
0: So now I'm going to my video, guys. This is Hannah trying this drink for the first yes. time. Cheers, ladies. Cheers. 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 Oh, that was really loud. Did I break it? Okay.
1: Dude, I love this drink. This is
2: actually, actually is just really good. Well, surprisingly, like, i well, I'm not poisoned at this moment. <laughs> at this moment. <laughs> It's a yeah, it's good. You can actually still taste the vodka. Yeah. I was, I was, we did a great job. Woo! Boom. boom! Yeah, surprise. Get twisty, quickie.
0: Quick quickie. Quickie! <laughs> We're already there! i had two sips. Alright, guys, so it is February, and this month we are talking about Black History Month. Now, let me preface this with black women, black culture should be celebrated and talked about every single day, but we do have this one special month and we do we want to just take the time and recognize some notable black women in history. Yes. And so I'm gonna go ahead and start this first week with the first baddie. Yeah. And I wanna start with some statistics, guys. Alright.
1: So did go. you know? Oh my I, favorite. You <laughs> didn't.
0: I know, right? In the nineteen seventies mm-hmm. there were less than ten percent of women in an average medical school graduating class. Less than 10%. Okay. Okay. Did you also know that Don't read my notes. you got to be surprised. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Holy Bob. She's trying to cheat, guys. All right. (laughs) And did you also know in the 1970s, according to AANSNeurosurgeon.org, Congress passed both the Equal Rights Amendment and Title IX of the Education Amendments Act, prohibiting discrimination in educational programs and activities receiving federal funds based on race and sex.
1: Woo! Yes! yes! Did you also know... <laughs> Fun facts with Sherilyn. That currently... <laughs> uh-huh. I
0: promise this is relevant. Okay. Women make up only about 5% of practicing neurosurgeons that are certified by the American Board of Neurals. All right, so why am I giving you these stats?
1: Because they're Be- awesome. Just because just they're awesome. yeah.
0: But also it has everything to do with the lady that we are talking about today while all of this history was right. going on all that statistics this badass woman was trying to achieve her dream of becoming a pediatric neurosurgeon And I'm so excited to cover her because one, she's not from Pensacola, but she lives here now.
1: Oh my gosh. I love this. All right. Um,
0: But she is so humble and so chill. And a common theme you'll hear throughout this podcast and Mm -hmm. as I'm going through it is just how kind and how friendly she is. Um, In an interview that I saw of her, the interview said that she's so easy to talk to and it's not something you'd expect from somebody in her field Mm -hmm. um, as a neurosurgeon. And she says her ability to do things and her ability to treat patients depends on their ability to trust her. Yeah. And their that ability sense, yeah. to talk to her. Okay. And she said, "I need to make you. I need to learn how to make you talk to me." So it's mm-hmm. not like you need to learn how to talk. To me. It's like, no, no, no. I need to learn how to talk to you.
1: That's a great practice for a right. doctor. Exactly.
0: So, who is she?
1: Who is she? Who is this mystery She's person, Cheryl? Right? guys. I'm excited. In, in 1981.
0: Dr. Alexa Kennedy became the first African-American woman neurosurgeon in the United States. And in 1984, she became the first African-American woman to be certified by the American Board of Neurological Surgery. She is the the United States' first black woman neurosurgeon. Pediatric neurosurgeon, to be more specific, but neurosurgeon in the United States.
2: That's just crazy that she lives in Pennsylvania. And she lives, she
0: retired here, yeah. And what she is that, 30,
1: here. 40 years ago?
0: When she became, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes.
1: That's yes. great. That's yeah. not that long ago. It is not that long that's ago. Like
0: and she's the Our lifetime. First. Yep. Yeah. And that's crazy to think uh, yeah. about that. And something that's cool is, um, you know those six degrees? You Have you heard of like six degrees of separation to like a celebrity? Like if you go six degrees, like six, through six people, you probably know a celebrity. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, I actually, through not six degrees, one degree, Ooh. Um, have a connection with her. So, wow. Jerry, okay. my husband, for those of you that do not know, he worked with her. <gasps> oh, my gosh. And I remember him telling me about her back then. Like He always said she was one of the nicest and most caring doctors he has ever worked for. Someone that is truly committed to their patients, was always nice to the staff. Like, he never had any anything ill to say about And when I was looking for a badass black woman to cover, he reminded me of Dr. Kennedy. And here we are. So I've been researching her all Rops. freaking week. Yeah, so are you guys ready? I'm We're so ready. ready. Yeah. This is going to be a
1: doozy, guys. I also love <laughs> that she's still alive, yes. you know?
0: Okay, so let's get into it. So researching for Dr. Kennedy and you saying that I love that she's still alive. Mm-hmm it made it really easy to find information on her so i found two youtube videos wow. oh of her just literally explaining her entire life yes. wow and then m- so many articles of her doing the same thing of her just writing it out and i could follow that guideline other articles just piecing in the dates yeah so it's it was you know I don't know. It was different because a lot of the people we have already done, with the exception of maybe one or two, you right. know, are not alive, and right. yeah. um, there's were, a lot of mystery. Yes, because they, they were all from like the 19 prior to the 1950s. Mm-hmm. We don't have many videos on them and whatnot. But um, so I want to say, Dr. Kennedy, if you ever find this and you're listening to it, yes. I hope one, oh my god, <laughs> two, I hope we're doing, you know, I hope I'm doing you justice and telling your story, and I hope I'm telling your story correctly. So. All right, here we go. Let's get started. Let's get it with my sweaty
1: armpits. Ooh, let me she take is. another sip of the drink. Uh, clank, clank.
2: Uh-huh. I'm audio.
0: <laughs> Sorry, guys. I feel like it's important for you guys to be able to know that we're clanking.
2: Just clanking. Drink is so good. It is it's good. really good. I'm so impressed with you. Yes! <laughs> it's okay. No it's measurement. We're gonna play our day jobs.
0: <laughs> <our laughs> curve do- okay, um, I won't. But you <laughs> go ahead and. <Blake. laughs>
2: You it have fun with that. Really good, like yeah. it's not overly sweet. Right, it's like the right amount of sour. I am very right. impressed. Thank you. Let <laughs> do that damn thing.
0: All right, guys. So, Dr. Alexa Kennedy was born on November seventh, nineteen fifty, in Lansing, Michigan. Um, she was born to Elizabeth and Clinton Kennedy, and she is one of four children, and she is the only girl. Oh, she's not wow. the youngest yeah. girl. I think she's the middle child. I think yeah. it's brother, brother, her, and then a, and brother. then a brother.
2: Uh-huh. Special treatment there. especially right? Princess of <laughs> the, the family. Princess.
0: Her brothers are all actually lawyers, and she is a neurosurgeon. Oh, wow. Okay. So, Hi. so Hi. exactly, confident. exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, without me even going to her family history just yet, you know that education runs in the family. Uh, and this is something that's important to them, and they had... you. When I continue, you will see that they had great examples growing up. So, yeah, no pressure. No pressure. Growing up, I can't imagine being the baby of the family. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I know, be
2: like, the- my <laughs> brothers are lawyers, and my sister is the first neurosurgeon ever. Like-
0: first black woman neurosurgeon. Yeah, and here I am.
2: What do I do with I my am- life? I'm a bartender. <laughs> yeah, no, he's like,
0: I'll become a lawyer too. Sure, no problem. <laughs> So, see, she came from a family where education was not encouraged, it was expected. Which is a great expectation. Yes, exactly. Her grandmother, so just to give you kind of, um, just an example of what she saw growing up. Her maternal grandmother was a professor at Lane College, which is an HBCU, a historically black college, university. Her grandfather was a pharmacist. Okay. Her father was a dentist. Mm -hmm. And her mother was an educator. So
1: education was top it, priority. Yes.
0: It was always in the forefront, mm-hmm. always important. And Our brilliant <clears throat>
2: family, too. I know. It's like to have that expectation, first off, but like to be able to meet that expectation. Yeah. Like everybody is so freaking smart in that family. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right.
0: And so she says her father was old school. Like he was the provider provider of the family. Mm-hmm. So he didn't want her mother working necessarily. And that was in her own words. And I'm sure it wasn't like I'm sure it wasn't in a mean way, like, you can't work, but it's the 1950s. And then
1: then it was the norm for the mother to stay at home and take care of the children, because that is a full-time job in itself. Right, it
0: is. But... (laughs) <laughs> that's not what she did. Tell she wasn't, mom. she, yeah. yeah, she didn't bring in the money. Her husband was the provider, but she basically did everything else that she could do to do her own damn thing and still have that independence. Really, you evident. go girl yes. in the
1: 1950s. In the
0: 1950s. And that's so evident because when you're listening to Dr. Kennedy and you hear all of her accomplishments, mm-hmm. it's just like it goes hand in hand. Um, and her mother was, you know, she was able to be a badass of her own in her own respect. Yeah, her, so. remo-
1: her, bleh, her role model, in a sense. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So, just a couple of her mother's accomplishments because, you know, I just, her mother is just as awesome as she is. So, she was on the national board of the YMCA. She was Crazy. on her community chess board. She was on several bank boards and was able to move up in positions. She was president of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporation, and she was like the national president. Um, She had a very, very distinguished career, obviously, and one of her, something that Dr. Kennedy said is one of her most proudest things is she was able to raise over $1 million for her community college. Yeah. So clearly, Dr. Kennedy grew up with just this... Fantastic, you know. Foundation success was never an option; it was never a choice. Mm-hmm. It was like innate in her blood. Um, she just needed to take the steps to get there. Right. Just and that was, you know, I haven't even started talking about her in right. school That's or anything. Crazy. And you're just overloaded <laughs> with this information now. A lot of the things that I'm going to talk about, again, they're exactly Doctor Kennedy's words because there's gonna it's gonna be hard right. for me to translate that into my own words. Right. She has course. So much passion. Mm-hmm. So I may say a lot. I'm, you know, about if I say she said this or she said that or I may just start talking about her quotes just know that this is all from Not her. Not your own words, Yeah, just
1: her speaking.
0: Um and I have sources that I will link in our show notes, show notes and stuff and all that. Woo! And, and all that. No, listen. These drinks, this is dangerous.
2: This is time dry. It's dangerous because, like, I could chug the shit. Yes. Yeah.
0: And you can't taste the alcohol. No, you can't. Am I ready you can I...
2: slightly. No, not no. yet. No? Uh, your cheeks. Good. Your, your, your cheeks, cheeks are a little red. Yeah. Mmm. nom, 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 nom. This is really good. It is really good.
0: Here we go. Oh, God. Clink. Who, you think I'm going to end up on the floor today?
2: Also, I hope bad. not because <laughs> you're the one speaking. That's true.
0: <laughs> Lord,
2: take over her notes. I know just start like, reading like, <laughs> all right so I'm gonna keep
0: going Sherilyn is on the ground and this no. is what happens I do recover guys I do recover okay uh, moving on I think let's you're talk about, oh I have water yep let's talk about Dr. Kennedy in kindergarten yeah. so oh, in
1: kindergarten yeah I gotta go back
0: all the way in one of the videos that I watched Dr. Kennedy talked about how her and her siblings were given an alarm clock in kindergarten and mm-hmm. And were expected to get themselves up and ready for school.
1: Whoa! So her
0: parents from the get-go were teaching her how to be prepared for the real world. Her job was to get up, get ready, and go to school. That was it. And her her parents' thought process was, you're the one benefiting from school, not us. So you're the one that needs to learn from these real-world things.
1: I'm just blown away. Yeah. I can't believe a... I just can't imagine think, a yeah. kindergartner getting up, getting themselves ready, and going yeah. to work. Right,
0: but we're also thinking about kindergartners, modern day, yeah. us, not kindergartners the in the mindset in the 1950s. But it's like it's the 60th. same,
1: aren't they? Like, kinder, a five-year-old back then is the same as a five-year-old now. Yeah. Well, minus yes, all I mean, the technology. True. Yeah.
0: True. Um.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just crazy to me, but and that's awesome for her parents to, like, have that expectation and put that expectation on her. Exactly,
0: exactly. And it was an important mindset to set as a child in terms of expectations mm-hmm. and who is expected to be responsible themselves, the mm-hmm. child, mm-hmm. not the parents. And, uh, you know, teaching a young child accountability, I honestly love that. Yeah. Like Time management. <laughs> time management, accountability, like do this, we're not going to do this for you. And, and that's not to say her parents were negligent. Right, no, it's not. I'm sure maybe modern parents may hear that, and they're like, oh, God, you know, yeah. like, right. what are you providing for your children? And it's like, they're providing for their children, they're just teaching them how to get shit done. Right. You know?
2: Also, well, I think it's like a sense of, like, teaching them to, like, they're going to change their future if they take a right. hold of mm-hmm. it. At this, you know what right. I mean? Yes,
1: I like that, yep. And yes. also what you said about you're benefiting from your education, not me. Right. You need to do this. I don't think kids nowadays know that. Right. I think they just expect to go to school. Because yeah. mm-hmm. I do work in a local school, and I hear all the time, I don't want to be here. This I Why does school have to be this long? And so... I feel like if kids knew that, Mm -hmm. maybe their outcome would be different.
0: Right. So at the end of kindergarten, her family moved from a predominantly black neighborhood to more of a rural white area. You have to remember, again, this is the 1950s, so racism was very real. So they moved to a more rural area where Mm -hmm. they were able to actually build a home on land that was sold to blacks. Crazy. Because the county would not allow the owner to build a gas station on it. So they were able to buy it. I don't know anything further than that or why it was like, we'll sell you this land because of this. I don't know.
2: You can build it's, a home there, but you can't right.
0: build yes. a and- So as a result of moving to this more rural area, her mm-hmm. and her brother were the only two black students at their school. And her mother had this famous saying. She said, let them make you the token. So what if you're the token black girl? Take that token and spend it she said, my mother told me not to care what other people thought. And you'll kind of, um, and she'll talk about this more just mm-hmm. about just her mother teaching her not, not caring what people thought. And I, and I think if she did care about what people thought of her and if she did care about just all these other things that were happening she wouldn't be able to achieve what she has mm-hmm. achieved you know in her career you know I mentioned earlier this is the 1950s right so racism is very real right. it's very alive um, so of course they had issues with the students and the staff and one incident of racism in particular stands out to dr. Kennedy and she actually Kennedy excuse me she actually didn't find this out until she was in college many wow. way way and this okay. happened in the second grade And her parents didn't actually tell her about it Uh, until she was in college. So her grades were being reported as average, which was strange to her family because obviously she is very, very intelligent. So for her grades to come back as average, it was kind of strange. So one summer, her grandmother, who was a professor at the time, Mm -hmm. um, she was taking a course to further her education at a local university and her class needed subjects for an aptitude test that they created. So, you know, naturally, like any second grader, Dr. Kennedy was like, I'll do it.
1: Like, yeah, who right. does that? Yeah. <laughs> I'll be with Me. my grandma. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well,
0: that's actually why she's, uh, she volunteered for it was because she wanted to spend more time with her right, grandma. yeah. Oh, my gosh. But, how
2: adorable.
0: But, I mean, like, why not? I'm sure she was also like, and I get to do more school, so yeah. that's fun.
1: Um, well, and then, she's average. Right. <laughs> she's
0: average. And then her results came back and they were off the freaking charts. Like, she did abnormally well to mm-hmm. where, um, the professor that wanted to do more tests. And wow, the more okay. tests she did, the more she was just, like, freaking scoring so high and killing it. Also, I'm keeping my arms down because my armpits are sweating. <laughs> they Ooh! smell fine, though. They smell fine, Sniff I promise. test! <laughs> yes, yes. No, they're sweating, but they smell good. I put on deodorant before this, guys, I promise. Yep. Okay.
2: Uh-huh.
0: So, her parents... Then went to the principal, mm-hmm. and they were like, okay, what's going on? Check right. out these scores. Right. They don't match what you guys are reporting. And so the principal, he looked into it, and it turns out her second grade teacher lied about her test scores and assigned them to a white student.
1: <gasps> but yeah. how is that? Oh. It's so sad that, like, I'm not surprised.
0: Yeah. No. I'm not
1: mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I see where you're at because that was the norm during mm-hmm. that time. But in a modern mindset, thinking that, and you're an so, educator, right? So uh, true, but that's just so. So what up. do you guys think
0: happened to this teacher?
1: I don't think she got fired because that wasn't the times. I think mm-hmm. that maybe she may have gotten talked to. Yeah. Or they may be like, okay, this student's doing fine now. Let's apply her test to somebody else. Right. What yeah, do I that? don't. I don't think anything happened to that no? teacher.
0: She was actually fired. Hell yeah! (laughs) Woo! Go, principal! Yeah, that literal piece of dog turd was fired, and I don't feel bad about saying that. And I will say, if you're a racist, you're a little piece of shit, and I don't feel bad about saying that either. So I put that in my show notes. And she is uh, sipping her tea. And I'm the Kermit the Frog meme Mm -hmm. right now. I don't feel bad about that at all. Okay, bye. (laughs) Okay, bye. So karma worked in Dr. Kennedy's favor, though. And due to her test scores, not that it was bad karma against her, right. but you know, the universe worked to where, uh, due to her test scores, she was able to jump from second grade to the fourth grade. Oh so, my
1: goodness. So she skipped a grade yeah, entirely. She's, yes. A
0: whole entire grade. And she wow. says the only, <laughs> the only thing she missed about learning in the third grade was her multiplication, but her mom taught her on in the summer. So it was fine. Yeah. Hashtag, whatever, fine. Yeah, hashtag no big deal. <laughs>
1: Hashtag, got those memorized
0: yeah. in a week. Listen, math was so hard for me. It was for me, so hard. It, was like, for me yes. yeah. it was, I just could, me learning, did you guys do this in your school where mm. you had a multiplication table or like a, a quiz? It's so hard to talk, the multiple, guys. The multiply,
1: uh, the, what is it called? I don't know, but
0: you had like a certain amount of time to complete it. Yeah, the time yeah. quiz. Yeah.
1: Multiplication times tables quiz yes, or yeah. something. yes. yes. I would, like, shit breaks the entire time. I was so nervous. <laughs> I would be, too, but I wouldn't shit breaks. I would just go through the ones that I knew. Okay, zero, zero, mm-hmm. one, one, twelve. Okay, and how many more are... do I have? Yeah. Oh! <laughs> ah! Let me figure this out! Yes.
0: Those were speech? so stri- yes. Yes. yeah, Yes. So
1: stressful why would you thinking do that to a that? child <laughs> right thinking about that now is giving me anxiety I'm sure let Dr. me King... sip some more <laughs> like, so I can get over
0: it that was probably like Dr. Kane was like oh fuck just another Tuesday like okay <laughs> so
1: like, you know no what big deal a anxiety about this test what because I'm back in that mindset yeah, yeah. whenever someone would she's finished she's
0: triggered you guys
1: I am triggered <laughs> whatever's like you're sitting there and you're like trying to you're freaking out over the test, and then like someone beside you finishes, finishes and it. they're like staring at you, and you're just looking at them like, oh this my gosh, oh, God, I God, don't remember what my test five is. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I yep. don't remember because, like, partially
2: I was homeschooled, so like, whenever I, I could not figure <sighs> out how to. That like,
0: makes so much sense, guys.
2: Shut up. <laughs> No, but like I wouldn't be under, able to understand like how to read time first, like when I was in first grade uh-huh. or something. And then my parents were so mad at me. They're like, How are you? I mean, like they thought I was literally like being like arrogant or like some like just refusing to put the right answer. Yeah. But I was like, Just dumb. You just it <laughs> you I don't
1: understand. You're
2: not dumb. You're not
1: dumb. No,
2: I mean, at the time though, I felt I like felt awesome. dumb.
1: <laughs> I know. Yeah, me too. Whenever Johnny and but Bishka over there finishing up. <laughs> How bitch. did
0: you go to school in, like, Romania?
1: Oh no, but that's God. the second day I can think of.
0: <laughs> All right, guys. All right, so now that we're done being triggered. <laughs>
1: Let's move on. Moving on to
0: Dr. Kennedy's more, more of the middle oh life. So if you haven't already heard or guessed... She loved math. Like, math was everything, and she wanted to be a mathematician. Nice. So, she took additional math courses mm-hmm. as independent studies. So, just like now to where we can take electives and right. take all these extra classes, you couldn't do that back then, okay. and she wanted to. So, she took it upon herself to, just to take ad- like additional classes like algebra and calculus at a local community college just because
1: what age was she she, she this, this was like in high school oh my gosh i know kudos you. Like, seriously mathematicians in the world right that's punishment to, to me me too but kudos to you I, kudos. <laughs> you guys can't see how she's clapping i'm like trying not, not to make like, the sound so i'm just tapping the top of my fingers okay she's so you can imagine it <laughs> oh my gosh Oh, it's so hot, hot in here! mathematicians, like, man. We go. Man,
0: can that be the new way to clap <laughs> for TBH?
1: All right. <laughs> 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 like sea
2: otter. <laughs>
0: I'm crying. Oh, it's why is it a thousand degrees in here? All right. So she graduated from high school in 1967 as a National Achievement Scholar and attended the University of Michigan. I want to read a newspaper article that I mm-hmm. found from when she was in high school, and we wow. will post this on our Instagram. But it says, let me blow it up so I can actually read it. (laughs) Says. Alexa Kennedy, a senior at Everett High School. Alexa is the daughter of Dr. and Mrs. Clinton Kennedy Jr., 3808 West Holmes Road. First of all, side note,
2: why, like, why Why would you put her address?
0: That's super sus, man.
2: (laughs) Super sus. Moving
0: on. She has been a member of the National Honor Society for two years, having maintained a three point eight average throughout high school. Three point eight. That's is awesome. Pretty high. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty literally. high. She has been a member of the student council for three years. Was treasurer during her junior year. A pianist. Didn't wow. know this until I read this because uh-huh. she doesn't talk about anywhere mm-hmm. where she knows how to play the piano a pianist alexa was honor camper at the national music camp at interlochen she is the senior editor of the school yearbook alexa is taking advanced studies in calculus at lansing community college a member (laughs) a member of the debate team for three years she is captain this year and alexa attends to plan the massachusetts institute of technology m.i.t and she will major in mathematics. Like this said, she actually, uh, she didn't end up going to MIT because mm-hmm. she applied and she didn't get in. Oh. So, and she also applied to the University of Chicago, but remember, she skipped a grade, so by the time she graduated high school, she was 16, and her oh, mom's oh like, God. you're not going to go to Chicago by herself. Right, right,
1: right, right, right. So, good on you, sense. mom.
0: Right. Yeah. So she went to the University of Michigan, but she almost didn't even go to the University of Michigan because of her brother. Now, it's nothing oh, malicious. Brother. Yeah, okay. it's nothing malicious. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because I think her parents and her brother kind of didn't want her to go. Okay. Because they were always, she was always right on his tail. So it's kind of uh, like, I need some damn space. Okay.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah.
0: Because she kept a, uh, skipped a grade, she was mm-hmm. taking extra math classes. Um, she was well ahead of, you know, her courses. Okay. She actually sat a few seats behind, as a sophomore, she sat a few seats. Seats behind her brother mm-hmm. in his senior trade class, okay. so you know. Oh, so like, she yeah. The
1: brother's kind of in her shadow. Yeah, it, right. Trying to get out of it.
0: So her parents were like, "Hey, you know, don't go there." So she did, you know, what any reasonable teenager would do. Mm-hmm. I don't know. She applied and got in. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. She's like, no, She's like, I don't do the school's big enough to where I'm
1: not gonna see you, right? And I'm <laughs> taking different courses, so I'm going. So she
0: went, and that was that. She was a math major. Like I said, she was in love with math, wanted to be a mathematician, you know, and she girl. was an active member of the debate team. Okay. This is where she kind of loses momentum in college when oh. she goes. She goes kind of through that early college slump. During her second year, she had serious doubts about her commitments to math the mathematics.
1: Same, oh. Dr. Kennedy. Who doesn't have? To, uh...
0: Except I had that in kindergarten. Hey, kindergarten. <laughs> Gosh. In kindergarten, I was like, "Nah, bro, one plus one. Why? Why? Why, <laughs> why can't we just go outside and dance? I mean, right. why can't I play Mortal Kombat <laughs> games while I'm outside?"
1: I was gonna say, yeah. like, "Who doesn't have doubts in college?" Exactly. Yeah, that's true. Right. That's true. Totally understandable.
0: So it became clear to her that math wasn't her calling. Okay. I um, and it wasn't what she was supposed to do, and she didn't see it as her life's work anymore, and she wasn't a pas- passionate about it. So first of all. If you see math as your life (laughs) work, I mean, (laughs) more power to you. That's exactly
1: what
0: I was going to say. Holy crap. Oh, my God. My hands are cold and putting them on my face feels really good. So, she says she mentally shut down. You know, she barely went to class. She went from being an honor student to academic probation in two years of her being in
1: college. Whoa. That's a big deal. That is a big
0: deal, especially for someone of her intelligence. You know, she said she felt lost. She said... It's not unusual to feel this way, and you need to know that. It doesn't mean you cannot recover. It just means you're lost for now. And I don't know how many of you needed to hear that today or if you were looking for a sign, but this is it, and you're welcome. Girl, say it again. Girl, (laughs) say it again. It's not unusual to feel this way. You're lost. It's just for now. It's
2: just for now. Oh, that was really creepy. (laughs) into her whisper in my ear, I I in my ear. Oh, I'm no. so sorry I'm so sorry
0: Hannah's the, the cool. one that wears the headphones because we only have a setup to where one person can wear it and since she's way better at audio she wears it and I just basically like whispered, whispered in, her, in, ear. in into ear. Into her ear loved okay, into let's her. Move forward. I,
2: I I think about her ear I assaulted her ear
0: Oh my god so yeah if you're feeling lost it's okay this woman became a freaking neurosurgeon she felt lost she was on academic probation and look at her now so Mm -hmm. keep trucking along keep pushing you got this yeah you can do it too you 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 got it all right I i needed to hear that i know right jeez okay Oh, I'm getting there. I'm just really tipsy right
2: now. <laughs> Are you really? Yes. Okay, drink some
0: more. Oh, fuck! <laughs> I drink some more. We gotta, we got a ways to I go. I like
2: another. Because this done. is so yeah, good, guys. I finished final already. I'm
0: trying to pace myself so I'm not laying on the ground. All right, guys, we just took a little break one so Should that we can some get more. some Drink,
2: drink, drinks.
0: These these bitches got more drinks. I'm still sipping on mine because Lord, if I got another drink. Lord. I'd be on the ground. She's
2: sipping on it, but it's I'm basically kidding. like ice water.
0: <laughs> so, she was struggle bussing. She was struggle bussing along, but she did have one thing. So, she worked at the Michigan Daily, which is a local newspaper. Nice. And it gave her some chutzpah. It chutzpah. gave her some energy. It chutzpah. gave her something to look forward to. I'm doing this because it helps air my pits out. Oh, my also, gosh. Also, sh- Body, yadda,
1: <laughs> so Sherilyn had her hands
2: up and she was like doing that oh, motion,
1: you yes. know, whenever you're
0: really excited. I was, really was excited. to be the body audio. I was you shaking know. my underarm love and singing body yadi yadi. Anyways, relatable. Okay, move on. So, body, body. yeah, you're welcome. Back. Why is it
2: relatable? I don't know. <laughs> you're relatable to yourself.
0: <laughs> I don't remember. Things are passing by so quickly.
2: All right.
0: So. She tried to she stride. Guys, it's it's we're getting there. <laughs> so she tried to stick it out with her math major, but it
2: wasn't working out. So okay. she
0: switched majors. All we- right, ladies, tell me. What do you think she switched her major to?
2: She went into neuroscience. Neuroscience.
1: Oh, so she could say. No, it. but Is she go into <laughs> music.
0: She went into zoology. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now <laughs> listen, 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 listen. <gasps> All right. So yeah, listen.
1: Too, to zoology. <clears throat> Really? Who doesn't? Me?
0: I never thought. You didn't want to be a vet? No. Yes, exactly.
2: I wanted to be a veterinarian. I've be a vet. But then I watched too much Animal Planet, and then I saw (laughs) all this, like, like, those surgeries happening to these poor animals, and I was like, can I go barf right now? (laughs)
1: Can I go barf? (laughs) Yeah. Mm Mm-mm. No. okay. Zoology. I can't see you being zoology a vet. I love, I love animals. I do too. I wanted to be a vet too, but then blood. I saw blood. Loving and like, animals.
0: Oh. Loving things does not equal
1: Well, I if I had the stomach
2: for it. You
0: probably would be. I could both of you. Yeah. 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 I understand that. What or else?
2: a what do you call those people that cut open cadavers?
0: Um Yes. Medical or, examiner.
1: Morticianer? Yeah. Uh, medical examiner. The um, the, um, the, the mortician for, like, um
0: the funerals. Like
1: CSI. Oh yeah, medical. Incident. So yeah, that. Yeah. Not sure that's okay. It. Yeah.
0: Um, okay, cool. Ducky. So, oh wait, pause. So, fun story about Hannah almost dying because of blood. So oh, no. what? Um, Christian, her boyfriend, got a dermal done, and um, if you don't know what a dermal oh, is, yes. it's
2: like when they cut open your skin, what? slide a disc underneath it, and then um, attach a jewel or whatever, an earring basically to your face yes. or to whatever part of
0: your face. Yes. So we were in Phoenix and I got my nose pierced. He got a dermal and there's a, he was bleeding a lot because he had Advil or something earlier in that day. So his, his blood had thinned out because that's what, also you know, Advil brings. before. Yeah. Then, so there's that. <laughs> I was trying to leave that part out, but okay. Yes, we had alcohol before, but Hannah was like holding his hand mm-hmm. and it, it gets done. And she's like, you know, i'm gonna sit down i think i need to i think i'm gonna go to the bathroom so i thought this bitch was just gonna go splash water on her face she vomited
2: no, so all like, of what her happened dinner from so my sh- end is like i was holding on to christian's life because i was like moral support right right but then i was like okay it's done i'm gonna sit down because i'm getting like lightheaded right oh my god and then i was like you know what no no freaking Cheryl like, comes over and she's like are you okay, honey? <laughs> are you okay, honey? Honey? I like, no. What else really other not? thing was, to say? Honey, I didn't are you say okay? honey. I said boo. It was like that, though. It I was, was like, like, boo, you okay? Like, you very, okay, very, boo? like, motherly. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> so, so I walk be. into the bathroom. I'm, like, trying to do the whole splash face thing. Mm-hmm. And then I, like, nope. Projectile vomit <gasps> into the toilet. Not oh, once. Yeah. Fucking twice. Yikes. And it was she, awful. She was
0: gone for, like, 10, 15 minutes. And I was, like, at one point, I was, like, shit, where the fuck is Hannah? And I'm I like, just... I was like, girl, you right? <laughs> She's yeah, like, I. She's
2: like, I'm fine. I come I'm fine. Out, I'm like pale. <laughs> oh, more yeah, than oh I my god!
0: Yeah. So that's Hannah's story <laughs> about you know. how she they can don't don't, yeah. not handle blood.
2: Does not mix. I can't be mix. a doctor. I cannot even touch animals that are injured. Oh. It's a, it's
0: a sad life. Well, it's a you've just been demoted from my zombie apocalypse group.
1: <laughs> Yikes. Yikes. Yeah, Yikes. I thought I was,
2: um. What was I supposed to do? I think you were supposed to go
1: gather for food. I was supposed to to be
2: um, defense or something, walking with the people who are gathering. Oh, that's right. All
0: right. This is a whole other story we'll get into later, but my zombie apocalypse plan. I don't know. Zoology. 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 So, she majored in zoology. What a turn. What a turn. (laughs) She got her undergraduate degree in zoology. It was... was, Yeah, she she actually did. It was never her passion. And mm-hmm. she's like, I will never claim to know a freaking thing about zoology. Do not ask me about zoology. The only reason why she changed to zoology mm-hmm. was because she only needed four more classes to graduate. Okay. A genetics class, comparative anatomy, and a couple of ecology classes, and then she was done. So mm-hmm. that's the only reason why she changed it. Okay. Because when you go to med school, you don't, I don't think it's you have, hole. yeah, you don't have to have, like, an undergrad in, like, pre-med or, like, biology or something like that, mm-hmm. so... So let's let's backtrack a bit. I know I just talked about graduating and what she got her degree in, but the neck before that this next part is important because it's actually how she chose her calling in neurosurgery. So during the summer of her junior year, she wanted to buy a car, you okay. know, naturally as any young or young adult would and at this point she already got her shit together she mm-hmm. changed her me- uh, major she's trying to do hot girl shit okay she hot was like girl shit. hot girl shit Ha! I got my degree I got this I'm, I'm gonna get it I need a job. I I need, I need yep. a car yep. I need a house I need I all of it just like, I mean, I mean, having yeah I don't know about the house part but yes the car part yes mm-hmm. she didn't want that so she was going to work at the Michigan Daily during the summer okay. And she was getting four hundred bucks a month, which to us is like, that's not a lot, but back then, and to her it was like, I'm making big money, honey. Mm -hmm. So during this time, her brother told her about a minority scholarship program in medicine in the genetics lab at university hospital that was also happy to pay four hundred bucks a month. Ooh. Yeah. So she's like, Hell yeah, I can get a car. So she's like, I can work at the newspaper, because her job didn't start till five o'clock. So I can work at the newspaper from 5 into the evening, but work at this genetics lab beforehand. And and that's so that's what she did. She started saving for her car, which cost $1,900. That's not relevant. I just wanted to point out that a new car then cost $1,900. And now it's, it's like, like 26. 26. I don't know if it was brand spanking okay. new. Yeah, like but still,
1: me. $1,900 for a car yeah. is still really It had
0: to have been steel. a quality car because yeah. $1,900 for a car right now, you're just getting like the shell of
1: you no, know, you're not yeah, actually. If yeah, you're, you're not know.
0: getting the car, Here's and the fun fact, to
1: your car. <laughs> right?
0: Fun fact, another useless fact, but I just thought it's fun to hear as. Um, millennials and modern people, her car payment was only 50 bucks a month.
1: As a person that just paid off the car, <laughs> I hate you Oh, yay adults! Good job, that's awesome.
0: How did it feel?
1: Yeah. Um, well, it's felt amazing. Yeah. Because okay. now I have money to put towards my credit card debt. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> Adulting. Who the oh fuck said we should do it?
2: Ugh. Forced into
0: this. I know, we were. And in another one of her interviews I watched, which was from 2014, the interview made a comment about her, you know, being a neurosurgeon surgeon and she probably has nice cars and she can get every car she mm-hmm. wants and her response she's like i have a seven-year-old acura <laughs> she's like i'm not getting new cars like she yeah. didn't care you Yeah, know?
2: she's like whatever it's just, a it, it's just
0: a car walking
2: to my car and it's i have a fucking white hyundai so uh-huh. like, everybody has that i was walking to the car and realized it wasn't my car today at publix and then i felt so embarrassed <laughs> because the person was in the car <laughs> I tried to open the door. No! <laughs> I was mortified. Wow. Oh my God. <laughs> That's amazing. If you're at Publix, uh, if you were at Publix earlier, probably like 11 o'clock and I tried know. to carjack you, I'm sorry. <laughs> Hannah, uh, I oh never knew
0: god. this about you.
2: What gonna be a, card what I a klepto. I couldn't tell you guys about that, but then here we are. Here we are, it's relatable.
0: This story, you are meant to tell this story. That's so funny. Thank oh, you for sharing. And thank you for admitting it to the world. <laughs> oh my god, that's amazing.
1: Story time. The other day at Target, I saw three of the same card, same model. What do you have again? A Hyundai i have a honda fit. Honda, honda fit honda honda fit and it's yellow and i love okay. it okay i'm not gonna tell you the year because why does it matter but anyways okay. i love it except for the blind spots but anyways moving on we <laughs> <laughs> really
0: love it we've went on so many different directions
1: right now okay but okay so i parked next to the car that looks like mine and i was and as i was backing up because that other car was still there i saw another yellow honda and i was like oh my
0: there was two. There, there was two. Was
1: there
0: two and me. Oh, there were three. So <laughs> <many of us. laughs> the excitement. I wish you guys could see her face. It's like really she's cheap. genuinely she's so excited. happy about this.
1: My cheeks are hurting. Okay, anyway.
0: Oh, the alcohol. Anyways. All right. I feel like so I'm red
1: right
0: now. Ooh. So because of this, because because of this little suggestion or mention from her brother about this scholarship opportunity her career in medicine was born Mm -hmm. so she worked for a geneticist who also happened to be a pediatrician and she just fell in love with medicine she was able to work in the lab and get really hands-on in the field Mm -hmm. and she was kept on in the program during her senior year so she got to have you know continued experience in that and at the end of the summer she says not only did she have a car but she found her calling
2: yeah that was because of her Her brother brother,
0: yes Mm -hmm. yes so, Dr. Kennedy graduated from the University of Michigan in 1971, okay. and without a shadow of doubt, she wanted to go into medical school, medical school, but there was just one problem. What? Y'all remember how she was, like, cutting up in school the first two years? Oh, yeah. Because of this, her grades fell. Because her grades fell, she was put on academic probation. Academic probation doesn't look good on your transcript but, when you're no. applying to medical school.
1: Yikes. But
0: yeah, yeah, that kind of sucks. But if you haven't figured out, Dr. Kennedy is smart. And not just smart, she's like freaking brilliant. (laughs) So even though she was on academic probation and that that didn't look good on her transcript, her MCAT scores, her accomplishments in undergrad... And because of her accomplishments in undergrad, she was accepted into the College of Medicine at the University of Michigan in 1975. And so, and it took her a couple years. Like, she graduated with her undergrad in 1971, and she got accepted in 1975. So there were a couple years where she wasn't a student. Mm -hmm. And when she went back to college, especially to go to medical school, she was so excited. She was so excited to be a student. She was so excited to immerse herself back Mm -hmm. into learning. To which I say, Dr. Kennedy, that's freaking awesome. So... She gets into... She's in medical school now. So here's some more stats for you. I love me some stats. I love some (laughs) data, guys. There were 25 women in her medical school class of 200. 200! There were only 25 women. And this is just the medical... This is just med school. This Mm -hmm. is not a specialty. This is just a general. And of those 200, five or six of them were African American. I don't know if that was women or just total of the the whole 200. So it it may Uh have been men and women. And she said... It became quickly apparent that these women were in a man's world. Yeah. yeah. Frequently pers- professors would overlook the women's raised hands and most of the prestigious clubs and societies were all male. Okay, and mm-hmm. again, we have to think of the time frame that this was right. in the 60s Sixth. and 70s, yeah? Right, after so, the civil
1: rights movement. Right. I keep bringing that up, but I think that's important to yes. put it into a period where we are very familiar with. Right,
0: yeah. so we're getting there to where we're, there's still so much racial mm-hmm. um, injustice, mm-hmm. but there's also where, you know, men are still highly regarded. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's two things that she's battling right now. Right. And she, she went on to say that the white women were shocked and pissed she didn't say pissed. I said pissed. She actually never said any sort of like derogatory <laughs> know, word. I this is this is That's a little Sharon <laughs> sure, so Springs. Yeah, in. Just, you know, putting that in Salt Bay for you. And she said <laughs> that they were you. shocked.
1: <laughs> did you did you like the hand? Just did the hand the
0: Salt Bay hand? Salt. <laughs> You're welcome. That she said okay. That the that they were shocked and pissed that they were being discarded. That the white women were mad that they were being discarded. Um, and she says she's, she feels like it was... And she overheard the conversations, you know, and she said she felt like this was the first time they ever felt pushed aside, but she just put her head down and worked harder. And she said, mm-hmm. and this is this kind of... This sucks. She said, I was used to being discarded. Right. Again, she had two things working against her. Not only was she black, but she was a black female. She's yeah. like leading
1: the way. Yes. Yeah. Treading the waters. Right.
0: But, you know, aside from all of that aside from the trials and tribulations she loved medical school medical school she thought it was fun yeah. and exciting and cool. when she was talking about this like she her face she lit up she was like medical school was fun i loved it it was so exciting oh. like i was like that's like how i talk about like
1: dance dancing i
0: was going to say food but okay <laughs>
1: Food, but yes, like
0: dancing and personal fitness and all of that. Mm-hmm.
1: All your passions. But all my passions, yeah.
0: including food. Exactly. So yeah, and she had no trouble with medical school and she graduated with honor in medical school. Like how crazy is that? So moving on during medical school, her most enjoyable courses were the Neural Behavioral Sciences, and these were interdisciplinary courses, meaning they taught two or more academic uh, disciplines in one setting so that you would get a deeper and um, a broader perspective um, as far as your learning experience was. So you learned a whole bunch of things about neuroscience and the brain all in one. And she said she was intrigued about Everything in the human uh, brain and everything I'm about to say are literally her words because I will not, my brain does not think of this, but she says she was intrigued about everything about the human brain and its intricate structures, the billions of neurons constantly receiving, interpreting, and relaying sensory information, the immeasurable capabilities of the most complex and mysterious organ in the human body. She said, and then I fell head, so she learned that in neuroscience class, Okay. Mm -hmm. And then she fell head over heels for neurosurgery. She has well. so much passion about this field. Like, it's it's ridiculous. Like, what, just watching her talk about so all of this. I'm so
2: glad, though, because if I had to get a friggin' brain surgery, <laughs> you I, would
0: hope I want are passionate. someone that want, knows what they're doing yes, to yeah. work on my brain. I want brain. her to
2: do it. Because
0: here's the thing. It's like, not only is she passionate, she cares. And that's not to say, you know, all neurosurgeons don't care. But I feel like there's a certain amount of you become jaded in the field because you see so much and you have to desensitize yourself a bit. But I feel like some doctors in general desensitize themselves just so much to where it affects their bedside manner and how they treat their patients. Right. And in Dr. Kennedy's 30 plus years in what she does, that didn't happen. She wasn't dated. Crazy. It didn't affect how she treated her patients. And we'll talk about more just how much patient care was just the utmost importance, you know, for her. So yeah. she says, I'll never forget the first time I saw a surgeon open a human skull. I watched, wow. Wow. mesmerized, as he traversed the brain, his tools steering gracefully through delicate tissues and over tiny nerves and vessels. I was a goner.
1: A goner. She fell in love with the brain. She like...
0: When I watch people make my food, that's how I feel. I'm like mesmerized and I'm drooling when Christian makes a sushi. I'm like, oh my God. And Dr. Kennedy's like, yeah, I felt that way about the human brain when I saw someone cut it open. And do. I'm like, oh my God, I just feel so inadequate next to her. (laughs) (laughs) It's just just so amazing, you know. Fun fact, Mm -hmm. I have a few of those. She actually wanted, she initially wanted to be an internist. So, exactly. like, a, a regular, like, a, a general doctor, basically. Okay. But she didn't enjoy the heart and lungs. And if she um, was going to put this effort and energy into being a doctor, yeah. she wanted it to be something that she actually enjoyed. So, the right. so says. She yeah. became, yeah, so
1: that's. A neurosurgeon.
0: <laughs> yes. So, because of these courses, she figured out pretty early on that she wanted to specialize in neuroscience. But mm-hmm. she didn't know if she wanted to be a neuroscientist or neurosurgeon. Can you imagine having that dilemma, like, being <laughs> able to have that in your life? Neuroscientist <laughs> or neurosurgeon. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, no. I know. <laughs> No, absolutely. Every day. No. no. I know. <laughs> like, that'd be crazy to have to, that'd be awesome. I don't know. It's awesome. Just, yeah, yeah. Just okay, awesome so, decisions.
1: Question. Yeah. What's the difference between neuroscientist and neurosurgeon? Well, obviously I'm, neurosurgeon, you work on the brain. What's yeah. the other one?
0: I'm assuming the neuroscientist more so studies the brain. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. so we with it we with it and dr kennedy says she chose to fall in love with the most male of all specialties meaning the most male dominant medical field that she could possibly want to fall in love with damn she did did, Mm -hmm. you know you know not only were there a limited number of surgeons at the time but there were only a handful Mm -hmm. in neurosurgery none of which were african American. So she was like, "How can I make myself known? How can I stand out? Because mind you, she wants. She graduated med school. She needs to find her residency now. She mm-hmm. needs to find the college. You know who's going to accept her. So she became, in her own words, a neurosurgery groupie. A groupie, hey. <laughs> and it's not. You know, we're like a groupie out cart. No, it's not like that. It's it's a lot more uh, respectable,
1: guys. (laughs) Cut it out.
0: Yeah, so a neurosurgery groupie, this is what she did. She read any publications she Mm. could get her hands on in regards to neurosurgery. She went to conferences. She went to seminars. She went to meetings and asked questions just to make herself known, just so they could see a face and put a name to it. Mm. She was also able to shadow some um, neurosurgeons and some pediatric uh, neurologists. So... One of the pediatric neurologists she shadowed, she got that connection through a friend. She was able to, it was in St. Louis, so she did that. And then she also shadowed a neurosurgeon in her hometown of Michigan. So because she was able to dip her toes in all these fields, I mean, homegirl was like (laughs) well-rounded. Yeah. But she put the effort into that. And I feel like so many, especially maybe our generation and maybe even Gen Zers, they don't understand that aspect. You know, a lot of, they want, things handed to them but they don't yeah. understand the work to get there it's not just this 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 and this it's like networking making your name known yeah. putting in the work to do that sometimes you can't just sit still and hope things happen no and you she, have to put yourself out there exactly and she was not the person that was gonna sit sit still, still and make it happen she's like if I don't do this if I don't get myself educated if I don't immerse myself in the field with all these different doctors and all these different people
1: nothing's, what, gonna, nothing's happen. gonna happen yeah well, so
2: I feel rarely does any like amazing dream opportunity happen unless you network yeah like, that's right. such a huge
1: part
0: unless of the, the hustle like, if you don't hustle to yes, do it it's not right. going to happen exactly.
1: but i think Charlene is right on the money when she says that people of the younger generation they don't do that they just expect that to be handed to yeah people and people. that's a
0: generalization i mean of course right, if you're listening course. to this and you're offended like calm down you do you 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 work if you're working you're working if you're offended then maybe you're not doing the hustle that you need to do to achieve your your goals right you know but this was her challenge her challenge was she did all that so now it's like how do i get into a residency program And she often had people asking her, like, are you sure you want to do this? And even her parents didn't think it was possible. She Mm -hmm. says this was the only pushback they ever gave her about any decision she made in her life. Mm -hmm. I mean, she didn't say why they said this, but I'm going to assume that it's because... Not that I didn't think she was smart enough. Of course she was fucking smart enough to do this. I think it was just her... Not many women succeeded in this male field. And Mm -hmm. it was going to be hard for her. Right. Probably as parents, you know, they didn't want to have to see their their daughter struggle so that's an assumption it might be completely wrong so she applied to the residency program at the university of michigan and this is where she received her undergraduate degree and where she also attended medical school her academic record it was freaking great like i said she did well in school she immersed herself in all these different things so what was the problem why she why couldn't she get into this school so quick and it was because of the chairman of her department. Oh. So the chairman made her interview three times. And the moment where she was like, fuck this, was during her third interview, the chairman, he kept talking about how many people he washed out of his program. Like, this person didn't make it, this person, this person, this person. And she was like, screw this. Like, yeah. this is this is not, like, you clearly don't want me here. So you know what she did? She said, I'm going to Yale. Guess what she did?
1: She went to Yale. She went to
0: Yale. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So she was accepted into the internship wow. program at Yale New Haven Hospital. How do you I know, just do that I know, right? She's just she, well, obviously she applied, but she was just like, "I'm nah, fuck it, like I'm gonna go to Yale," and she got into Yale. So. Oh. Here we are. Now, this was it. So between 1975 and 1976 is when she completed this internship. And it was just an internship. It wasn't right. actually her residency. Mm-hmm. Um, you had to be selected for the residency. So while she was at Yale, she received a call from the chairman at the University of Minnesota offering her a, position, uh, offering her a residency position in neurosurgery. So she was really excited about that. But the thing was, she was waiting for uh, she was waiting to see if she was selected for the position right. at Yale, because you had to be selected for it. But she wouldn't find that out for a few months later, and Minnesota was like, you have a couple of days to give me an answer. I know, so, decisions, like, decisions, decisions that could affect the rest of my life. So, she went to the chairman of her program at, at Yale and was like,
1: hey, <laughs> yeah, like,
0: Oh, what's up? How you doing? I just want to know. You know, I got this call from the University of Minnesota. Am I going to get
1: selected? Yeah. Or should the, I just take that opportunity? Yeah. And they
0: offered me this residency position? Like, can you tell me if you guys are choosing me? And, well, obviously, you know, the conversation was,
1: yeah. A A little little not like like that, (laughs) but that's how we imagine it.
0: A lot like that, but, um, you know, unfortunately, the chairman, she had a good relationship with her chairman, but the chairman wasn't able to tell her. He was like, you're going to have to wait. Like, I can't give this information to you right now.
1: But I really need to know. Right. So
0: she said it was a matter of perception. She Mm -hmm. said, and I quote, Here I am, a black woman, wanting to be the first black neurosurgeon, and I have a position in my hand. And he's asking me to wait for a position that's amazing. Be. For me, that was a difficult choice. If you won't tell me yes, then I'm going to take this one. So basically, I these opportunities are not just going to
1: be you know right, keep right, popping up right. to me. I
0: need to decide. So she's she so she decided she decided she went to the University of Minnesota.
1: Well, good. Um, I'm glad because yeah. like she said, like those opportunities do not come often. Right,
0: but see, but the awesome thing is what Yale um Yale's response to all this. Oh, so okay. After after she was told, after all of this, mm-hmm. you know, years later, she was like, you should have known that you were our choice. And she was like, how the heck should I have known that? You could have told yeah, me. She was like, I asked, you didn't tell me, so what the fuck? Yeah. But I see it as, you know, it's okay, it wasn't her path. It wasn't yeah. where she was supposed to go. She says that Yale wanted her to want it. And she did want it, but she didn't want to give up a sure thing for a maybe. Yeah. She's
1: very practical, you know. That makes sense, too. Yeah. Especially because she's like paving the path. You don't want to miss opportunities that are given to you. Exactly.
0: What was more interesting was their approach after. So they were like, okay, you're going to go to Minnesota, but you're going to learn all of your first procedures at Yale. She learned more neurosurgeon procedures than any intern before her did. And she said, I think they just wanted be wanted her to be able to say, I learned this at Yale. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. But you know, regarding these first procedures, uh, she says surgery is a thousand steps. Mm-hmm. When you're learning these procedures, it's like first they let you close the skin, then they let you open the skin, then they let you make the burr holes that open up the skull. You go through it step by step, constantly looking for the unexpected. She says, surgeons have a unique appreciation for the vast variation in human anatomy. An artery may be in one place in one person, in another place in someone oh. else. Once you get into the brain or the spinal cord, the problem can be worse than you thought. Oh. It's not uncommon to encounter something that makes it impossible to continue as planned. So it's always unpredictable. And she said, by the time you complete your first operation, you've already done each of the steps hundreds and hundreds of times that one day you realize They just never stopped you. You did the entire thing. And she said, it's the greatest feeling in the world. So when you're doing your internship, it starts with one step. But by the time you get to the end of it, it's like, holy shit, I... I just did this, like, by myself. I found a video of her talking about her very first surgery, which I thought is so freaking cool. I'm obviously very at? passionate. Is it on YouTube? Um, yes, it's on, it's, no, it's not on YouTube, but I, I'll have links for all of that. So she was, she said she was totally scared because she realized this is it. Nobody's standing behind me. Like, aside from, you know, um, yeah. her assistants in right, there. Right. She's the only surgeon. She, yeah, And oh. she said her first surgery was a young girl Who lived with an older man, and I don't know the relevancy of that because she didn't get into detail, but she felt it important to put that in there. The young girl tried to commit suicide by shooting herself in the head. And she lived. That was her first surgery, you know? Uh And then the next major surgery she talked about, she did what's called an arteriovenous malformation which, according to Google, is an abnormal connection between the arteries and the veins, which is usually in the brain or spine. Okay. She said that surgery took twenty hours. Can you imagine?
1: Lord. that's almost a full day. Yeah, and the okay. patient was twelve. Oh, yeah. what? That's even yeah, crazy.
2: I know. Yeah. The anxiety, like the anxiety I feel. Can you imagine what she felt? Yes, and she talked about that.
0: I didn't write it down, but I remember watching one of her videos where she just like, of course, that anxiety is there. You know, that constant like because. Anything could go wrong with neurosurgery. Right. You get one chance.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's it. You yeah. can't do it again. You can't go back. If something goes wrong, you're
1: you're done. Yeah. It's like,
0: fuck, you have to figure out the solution, but it's not like you can backstrap. Oh, I'll stitch this up and then we, you know.
1: No.
0: So, no, I, I mean, I can't imagine. I can't I'm going to say, I'm going to back. I can't imagine. You're a baddie for sure. Holy yeah. Holy fuck. Cool. So, after all of this, she says she now belonged to three families she belonged to the Yale family, the Michigan family, Except for the chairman. Except
1: for <laughs> the chairman. <laughs> did she say that? Yes, she did. <laughs> and I put it in there. <laughs>
0: and um, her Minnesota family, the University of Minnesota. So, yeah, she went on to the University of Minnesota as a resident of mm-hmm. the university's Department of Neurology. Mm-hmm. And she was the first female African-American neurosurgery resident in the United States. Not just in the program. Yeah. In the United That's awesome. States. At, at that I time go. in the ni- late 1970s, and she completed her residency in 1981. Oh, my gosh. Now, this didn't, you know, of course, it came with its trial and tribulations. On her first day of residency alone, a senior administrator said, oh, you must be our new equal opportunity package. What? Yeah. Then that's, Because that's,
1: know. like, right after or right towards the end of the civil rights movement, yeah. and so... so-
0: Again, oh not only was she a goodness. woman, she was people, a black woman. People were yeah. so terrible. So fucking terrible. And back then, they were more open yeah. about it. Yeah, they were. People are care. still terrible. There are still terrible fucking people out there. They they're not the norm anymore. They're no, not. You know, so they don't they're more they just go on shit like
1: I am so oh. upset right
0: now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: I know. I felt that.
0: So, After her residency in 1981, Mm -hmm. that's when she officially became the first African-American woman neurosurgeon in the United States. And in 1984 is when she became the first African-American woman to be certified by the American Board of Neurological Surgery. And her areas of expertise are cranial facial abnormalities, hydrocephalus, tumors of the brain, and congenital spine abnormalities. easy stuff easy yeah easy stuff no big deal (laughs) no big deal at all like it's fine it's totally fine Uh, yeah so (laughs) in regards to breaking down walls and breaking down boundaries about this she says becoming a neurosurgeon was her dream Mm -hmm. and she achieved her dream she says and i quote and that's all it was to me because being the first Anything was never my goal. It right. wasn't until I started talking to people in the community that I understood that milestone and why it was more important than I realized. She continues to say its importance was twofold. You know, there's two ways to look at it. Right. One, it was important for the children who would no longer see neurosurgery as yet another world they couldn't belong to. Yes. That's the side everyone appreciates. It's yeah. like these kids can now see that they can be part of this world. Right, exactly. But there's another side to it. For the white residents who trained under me, Ooh. especially the white male residents, neurosurgery was no longer their world. It became our world. Yeah,
1: chills. <laughs> yeah, you did get
0: chills. But that's so cool because she doesn't really she's she doesn't talk negatively no. about about these individuals that no. she came across. It's like, okay, it's it's just not your world anymore. This is our world, you know? And she continues on to say that. And that was equally important in changing society's expectations. So while being the first wasn't important to me, it was important for many others. Yeah. And I think that kind of impact is a big part of becoming leaders and best. Yeah. So, wow.
1: yeah. Wow. That's all I got to say about that. Yeah. Holy moly, what a right. humble
0: person. So freaking humble, like throughout and everything She has that every I read.
1: right to not be humble. She does. Yes. She went through so many trials yes. and tribulations and she is still... But,
0: Humble. she was brought up you know it's how she was brought up you know yeah. it's how she how she saw Woo! how her family handled it because you have to think when her right. family is going through school when her dad right that's was, true, you know too, yeah. and her her grandfather were becoming a pharmacist and a dentist I mean it was then because civil um racial injustice it wasn't like it was there and it was something people talked about but it wasn't exactly the pressing thing like that people were trying to no. be activists on no. you know does that make sense yeah it does so i think the only thing that they had going for them was that they were men mm-hmm. even though they were yeah. black they were men so they were maybe able to pursue it more and
1: finish it more with you know does that makes yeah. sense the injustice was there but it wasn't as bad as it being a woman a, yeah. a woman and a black woman right
0: Um, she said, before I came through Michigan, and this is just uh, tacking onto that, neurosurgery was a white man's world. A scholarship helped me find my passion and set me on the path to changing that, not just myself, but for people who followed in my footsteps. So.
1: Holy cow.
0: After her residency in 1981, she went on to complete a fellowship in pediatric neurosurgery at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and this is where she says she found her true calling in neuro in, in working with children. So, prior to all of this, she worked in neurosurgery, mm-hmm. but it but, wasn't specific exactly. Exactly, there wasn't a oh, that, uh, that, sense. Uh-huh. that specialized in um, pediatric neurosurgery. And she states, and I quote: "New mothers often say that the moment they first hold their babies, they know they were put on earth to be mothers." Mm-hmm. I never had children of my own, but I understand that instinctive sense of purpose. And like I said, guys, I know I keep quoting her, but I can't myself, you know, translate this because this passion is all her. She says, unlike adults, kids don't know the role of a neurosurgeon. They treat you like any other person. It never ceases to amaze me how happy children were, even the ones who spent much of their lives sick and in hospitals. The most rewarding part is that most of the time you can make them better. And when you can't make them better, you help them and you help their families adjust. Over time, you learn how to process the inevitable losses, but you never stop struggling to avoid the heartbreak. Which, you know, in her in her line of work, it's not all roses and, da- wow. and daisies, you know? Like, yeah. I'm sure she's, she and she didn't talk about this, but I'm... 30 plus years, I'm sure she's lost children. She's right. lost children in surgery. There haven't been, you know, That's children that she can save. that
1: happens in that medical field. My exactly, sister's yeah. a sister, and my teacher's a sister. My <laughs> sister's a nurse, and she exactly. talks about that all the time. And um, it,
0: it's, it's unavoidable. So, you know. um,. Going on, just Dr. Kennedy, she was all about the children, and every single thing that I read, it was just about the children. She talked about how the best part was to be with them to play with them, to get to know them. She says the hours we spent cross legged on the floor playing video games and the sound of their laughter floating through the hospital hallways those are her special moments. Those are her special oh, memories. God. she I love that. yes, mm-hmm. she got to become part of their families and mm-hmm. watch them grow. She said some of these children she cared for for years and she got up in the middle of the night to care for them. She said, I cared for every single one of them. As if they were her children. As if they were my own. In one of, so, uh, one of the videos that I watched that, you know, she again tells her whole life story. I didn't, I don't remember the question, but the one of the questions was like, how do you handle not being able to help a child? Mm-hmm. You know, which obviously happens. And she said, if you can't help the child, you can help the parent. You try oh. to tell them what's coming what they may think, how they may process it, and that what they're feeling and thinking is a normal. You can try and tell them how it can affect their marriage, you know, mm-hmm. how to communicate more. Yeah. This help you want 100% transparency yeah. and you want them to be prepared. And as someone, uh, for her being in the field for 40 plus years, like, I feel like she would have that experience to tell parents like, this could very well affect your marriage, and this is what you need to do.
1: People don't talk about that, yeah. but all this stuff, especially with children, it affects your marriage. Yeah. I can't tell you how many people that I know that have lost a child, mm-hmm. and they're no longer together. Right. Because they don't know how to cope with it, and people right. cope differently. Yeah. And so it does
0: affect that relationship. I feel like it, starts, it may start getting into a blaming mm-hmm. process. One parent may cope where they're just gone all the time. They immerse right. themselves in work, and the other parent is not... And that's one of the things that she said was, you may have the father, and this is not, this is just, she gave an example, the mother could be this way too, but you may have a father that goes back to work, and it seems like he doesn't care, but this is just how he processes it. Yeah. Right. And okay. even in re- just relationships in general, both co- both parties process things differently. differently yeah. yeah. And it's so important to understand that, and not just go on the tack, you know, right. every time. So why
2: well, it's Back to, like, whenever you were saying in the beginning of all this, that mm-hmm. she... She had, like, that, I don't know, like, sense of human where, like, she had good bedside manners. Just, like, being, she, not only was she a surgeon, which is just a, a, like, a crazy thing to do in itself, but also she was, like, kind of a, not a psychologist, but, like, a counselor in a yeah. way. Where oh, yeah. you, like, understand somebody's hurt or right, um, the child's hurt or... on. Honestly, but she like the parents.
0: She genuinely, she was mm-hmm. genuine about it. There yeah. are doctors that do that, but because it's their job, you know, they know it's yeah. a part of their job, so yeah. they go through the the steps to do so it. Like, how can
1: I? What can I say to get out of here quickly?
0: Yes, like, do like, they really care? To a certain no. extent, yeah. that's you what know, makes that great
1: doctors. is people who yeah. listen and mm-hmm. they really try to understand you to try to help you. Like, yes, like yeah. you said about mm-hmm. her. Um, I was gonna say going back to what we were talking about. Um the families, it's mm-hmm. important to go to counseling and talk to someone else that can give you help to cope with yeah. what happened. Right. Mm-hmm.
2: Especially with something that you've never been through before. Right. right.
1: Exactly.
0: After her fellowship, she returned home and she worked in pediatric neurosurgery at the Henry Ford Hospital in Detroit before moving to the Children's Hospital of Michigan, which is where she spent most of her career. So she was there from 1987 to 2001. What? But she didn't only care for the hospital, she cared for the community of Detroit. And this is just a testament, again, mm-hmm. to show just Dr. Kennedy's character, you know. During her time there, uh, or during her start there at least, Detroit was dealing with widespread racial injustice and skyrocketing rates of poverty. And again, according to AANSsurgeons.org, 40% of children under the age of 18, 40% were living below the poverty line and had little to no access to yeah, health care. So over her course of her career, um, her goal was to develop a program that helped all of Detroit Mm -hmm. and give every child the opportunity of healthcare. So she raised money through fundraisers. She recruited the support of charity organizations. And under her leadership, they were able to make food and monetary donations to financially disadvantaged patients. So being a neurosurgeon, that just wasn't it for her. You know, it's like that, it was... Her role and everything who she was was just so much bigger than this job. Additionally, she started support groups for patients, and she was an advocate for their needs to the broader community. That's so, awesome.
1: Like, Everyone needs a great advocate. Yeah. people don't understand how much lack of food or lack of healthcare affect your mental well-being.
0: Yeah. Right. Exactly. And children, like, imagine, I can't imagine being a parent, and I'm sure, you know, some of you parents out there may be struggling with this right now, but- Not being able to take your child to a doctor in fear of having, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in medical bills.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a real fear. Like,
0: healthcare is a true privilege. It really is. A true, true,
1: true privilege. And food is a privilege Mm -hmm. and knowing where your next paycheck is coming from, where you're living, all that. And I hope that someday that we all don't have to worry about that.
0: Yep. Preach it. All right. Oh my gosh. we're stepping up, up off and off of our uh, soap boxes,
1: guys so <laughs> bear with us here only.
0: we're just so passionate about all this you know and dr kennedy is obviously bringing it out in us but when she started out as a neurosurgeon she was definitely weary of how she would be accepted into mm-hmm. this profession yeah, i mean think mm-hmm. about it not only was she a woman but she was a black woman and she was the first black woman to accomplish everything that she had accomplished so understandably so There was some apprehension like that was that was that was okay but and this is this is something that I read uh, and hear about her during my research. Something that we continue to talk about again is that patient care that bedside manner and her actually giving a shit about her patients and her parent her patients and their parents saw that and they were able to appreciate that the most. In a 1983 interview, though, she said that although some people were at first surprised to see her, she suspected that they told themselves, she's a black woman and she's a neurosurgeon, so she must know what she's doing. So after three years of being at the uh, Children's Hospital of Michigan, she Mm -hmm. ended up becoming the director which and then ultimately becoming the chief of the neurosurgery like department of everything. And under her direction, this department would soon be viewed as the best in the country. That's awesome. Yep. In addition to her many responsibilities, she also conducted research and taught as a professor of neurosurgery at Wayne State University. And like I said, she was at the Children's Hospital of Michigan from 1987 to 2001. So, in the beginning, I said she's a local baddie. She lives here. Where the freak does Pensacola Come into How did play. she like target audience? Because she's up in Michigan,
1: <laughs> living her Michigan life, and then all yes. of a sudden she goes to Florida.
0: All of her everything that she did was in the Midwest. Well, in 1988, Dr. Kennedy married her husband George Davis, and you guys will know immediately who was a new U.S. Navy recruiter.
1: Oh my! So goodness. there's the connection. Uh-huh.
0: When she retired, they moved to Pensacola because her husband was stationed here at one point during his career.
1: That's why I said, "Oh my goodness." Just those so listeners, because yes. everyone retires in Pensacola. Yes,
0: exactly. Um, but she didn't stay in retirement for long. She worked as a consultant and a part-time surgeon at Sacred Heart Hospital, and she was the only pediatric surgeon in the area. Prior to wow. Dr. Kennedy coming uh-huh. in here, patients had to go to Jacksonville for pediatric uh, Which is five hours away. Yes incredibly far so yeah. they didn't have to outside like kids were able to get their surgery
1: here here
0: that's home, crazy and didn't have to wait for yeah. it
1: you know how i'm thinking about this right now how difficult would it be to need help and know what you need to get done but then have to relocate five hours away for who knows how long yep yeah that's crazy. It is. That's awesome. And the costs that come with it. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's that financial burden, burden that we were yeah. talking about earlier. Right. Yeah.
0: And she said that she didn't mind coming out of retirement because the position that she was offered at Sacred Heart, it mm-hmm. wasn't a director position. She It wasn't a chief position. Mm-hmm. She didn't have to be in okay. charge of anyone. Okay. And she could spend her time and energy on her patients, which was the most important to her. Wow. Yes. And she retired for good in 2012. Wow. And she's been in
2: retirement ever since. (laughs) good. Nine years ago. ago.
0: Yes. (laughs) Um, So after her retirement in 2012, she wrote a piece for the National Women's Law Center in which she said, looking back, what stands out in my memory are the special relationships I had with my young patients. I watched them grow. I got up in the middle of the night to care for them, Mm -hmm. and I cared for every single one of them as if they were my own, which I mentioned earlier in that Mm -hmm. quote. And like I said, again, this is so evident. And as you guys can see now, like, patient care was 100%. You know, this is, she like, did I put this? I don't know if I put this. She saw these kids like their entire, most of them 15 to 20 years. She became part of their families. She knew every single person of their family. She watched these kids grow up. And that's, that's what was important to her. I felt like being a pediatric neurosurgeon was actually second to her first job, which was being... Caring for the kids, just being like this another mother figure, um, you know, and it just so happened that she could perform surgery. Cover. I have a few more things I want to cover her honors and accomplishments now that I'm able to, and instead of spreading them out, so. In 1984, she was the Children's Hospital of Michigan's Teacher of the Year. Okay. In 1988, she received the Mercy Medallion from the University of Detroit Mercy, and she was inducted into the Michigan Women's Hall of Fame in 1989. And this induction in 1989, she joined Rosa Parks and her late mother, who was inducted in 2002. And then she also received the American Medical Women's Association President's Award in 1993. I'm sure she's received many more awards after Mm -hmm. that. Those were the common ones that I saw over and over again. So in one of these interviews, she she was asked, what would you say to someone that is contemplating going into medicine? She said, there are very few things in life where the only goal is to make people better. That's all. The rest of it will fall into place. Yeah. Again, that's the first thing. She doesn't talk about the schooling. She doesn't talk about how to handle medicine. Right. All of that will happen. Yeah. But you need to have that goal of people are first. Your yeah. patients are yeah. first. And in regards to she was asked how, you know, what would you say on how to handle barriers? And she said, "You can't let other people define you and you have to know yourself and understand their problem versus your problem. You can't give your sense of self-worth to anyone else." Just a few more things when she was asked, you know, what's next? She said, nah, she just loves spending time um, with her husband and she plays competitive bridge here in Pensacola.
1: We have bridge in Pensacola? <laughs> we do and it's competitive.
2: What? That's <laughs> like competitive. I was so surprised my headphones came off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this whole other community
1: of Pensacola we didn't know anything about.
0: And I also, I wasn't going to note this, but because we keep talking about, you know, bedside manner and all mm-hmm. of that, she was... She was asked about the future of medicine and she said, right now, the battle is to preserve a personal aspect of medicine. It's not just about the information. Perceiving what a person needs from you, which may be medicine, but it may be something else. There's a tendency now to give an 18-minute appointment and you don't know the person well enough to provide them the care that they need. The battle is to take back healthcare from the billers and business. And I will say, um, <laughs> air clap, she's air, air clapping. clapping. Um, I will say, you know, a lot of times, and this is something that I heard a lot from my husband, who again worked with so many different doctors, was that it was all about how many patients you can see yeah. in a day mm-hmm. and how quick you can get them out. So there were doctors that saw this could this is probably an exaggeration but like what 25 30 plus patients a mm-hmm. day maybe even yeah. more just to get them in and out bill the insurance company and that's it because how many people were they were getting out that's how many people that's how much money the hospital was making so having spending that time you know it's so rare and that's what i liked about the the primary care physician that i saw was that i'm sure it sucked for his staff that he would spend so much time with his patients and you would get behind but what you have to think about is what that meant to the patients and he knew that and she knew that and I'm sure there are many other doctors out there that know that guys we're not giving a generalization if you're a doctor and you're listening to this we're not saying you're an asshole but you know you also there can also be this understanding of yeah this
1: is this is happening so. right and being people who don't work in the, in, in the, the field, field yeah we have all gone to the hospitals we have all experienced doctors yeah. and I feel like we all have that similar kind of story where we don't feel like we're listened to mm-hmm. we're just in and out in and out in and out yeah I can personally say I don't have a physician because I don't feel like any doctor is going to want to listen to what I have to say Mm -hmm. like even though I know it's important to have a physician Mm -hmm. I have gone to one and I sat there with him and he's like what's wrong I was like nothing I just want to get to know you get some blood, get my like an annual yeah something Mm -hmm. like that get you know get to know who you are this is new He's like, all right, cool. Well, you look healthy. Let's go. So yeah. I was like, I was in and out for yeah. five minutes. Yeah. And I would have benefited from someone getting to know me, yeah. getting to know my family history, getting to know everything that encompasses me. Mm-hmm. So that way, if I were to have a problem in the future, they he understand. could help me. Yeah. And, understand and that's it.
0: actually, it's, it's great that you bring that up because that's another portion that I didn't put into my notes, but that's what she talks about that. She said... So many people go home after seeing their doctor not telling them what was wrong with them, and they mm-hmm. go back to their doctor and they were like, You didn't treat me. And the doctor's like, you didn't tell me what was wrong. Because the patient doesn't feel comfortable enough right. telling the doctor all their right. problems because their doctor is just so stoned-faced. You need to be, even if the person, I feel like even if the patient comes to you with like 20 different things, you wanted to become you wanted to be in the medical field. Right. You know. All right, guys. I'm going to finally close out. I don't want to stop talking about her, but we got to. We can't make this forever. This has already been long as it is. In an interview she did in 2018, she talked about her place in Black history, and she said, For me, it didn't mean as much at the time as it did for other people, for young girls. Even if they're not going to be surgeons or even be in medicine, they can see there's a world open to them. In 2017, the Johns Hopkins School of Medicine accepted its first Black female surgery Female neurosurgery resident Dr. Nancy Abu Bonsra. And that is Dr. Alexa wow, Kennedy. Air claps all <laughs> around. I just you are I did. amazing. I did. Um, you when are I was, amazing. So before this morning, I actually read all this through so I know yeah. I was saying, but I started getting emotional just yeah, because I of, I just I felt so connected to her because of the vibe, because of kind person, because she's a kind person, and because of how she, in her own respect, she paved this way that she didn't even realize she was paving because that wasn't that wasn't her forefront. You no, know? she yeah. just wanted to achieve her dream, but subsequently was making history while she was doing it. Right. She had this great family foundation that helped her get there, and failure was never an option for her. It wasn't even like a thought. Yeah, mm-hmm. succeeding was you know was what she wanted to do, and she did. Right. So. And
1: I can't imagine how many women have been inspired by her and have. Taking the same path that she did to get to where she's at. Right. That's, That's awesome. That's so crazy. I think you're amazing. Yes. I yes. appreciate your work and everything that you did. I, Your passion came through through Sherilyn and we just appreciate really.
0: <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dr. Kennedy, like, listen, if you're listening to this, first of all, I want to apologize for all of the <laughs> F-bombs or any other bad words that were used. Yes, yes, it was ju- it's just how we do <laughs> our podcasts. Yeah, so, all right, guys, You, we are still live. We are still out there. Mm-hmm. You can find us on Instagram at
1: Tipsy Broad History
0: Podcast. You can send us a Gmail at
2: Tipsy Broad History Podcast at gmail.com.
0: You can tweet us, even though we're not really sure how Twitter works just yet, at
1: Tipsy H-H-M. Podcast. Is
2: that all of them? Did I hit all three? Yes.
1: Facebook. Oh, oh, and then find us on Facebook at, at Tipsy Broad History Okay. Yes. all right guys thank you so much if you want to send us a local baddie or if you want to send us someone to us to research to talk about please send us an email the gmail is tipsy broad history at gmail.com all right guys thank Wait, you s- tipsy broad history podcast at gmail.com oh i'm so sorry <laughs> we good we good on yeah, all yeah, right good.
0: <laughs> thank you guys for listening please come back have a good day Bye-bye. bye I have to pee. So I think bad. he's so much.
1: This is a podcast created by responsible of drinking age adults. Please drink responsibly. You must be over the age of 21 and do not drink and drive. Your Tipsy Broad History hosts all live in the same neighborhood and were able to simply walk home after our recording. Tipsy Broad History and its hosts do not support or condone the overconsumption, abuse, or irresponsible use of alcohol. Tipsy Broad History is not intended for promoting alcohol abuse
2: binge drinking, underage drinking, or any other forms of abuse and irresponsible alcohol consumption.
0: Additionally, please
2: note, we are not historians and do not
0: claim to be history buffs. We are just a couple of friends that want to bring light to women in history. And we just so happen to do that a little tipsy.